Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday 7. On this week's episode of the award-winning Sunday 7, we catch up on the COP28 outcome, hear about a serious cyber threat to Britain, discover the science behind morning sickness and hunt down some giant goldfish. But first, on this day in 1903, near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, the Wright brothers made the first successful sustained flight in an aeroplane. Orville went first, gliding 120 feet through the air in 12 seconds. The plane, which was called the Flyer, made four trips that day, the last one with Wilbur, which lasted for 59 seconds. The annual COP28 summit has just wrapped in Saudi Arabia. After a shaky start, it had finally managed to get an agreement. If you're wondering what COP stands for, it's for Conference of Parties and represents the decision-making body of the United Nations Convention on Climate Change. The decision to hold the summit in Dubai and to appoint a president who is also the CEO of the Saudi Arabian oil company Adnoc seemed like a high-risk strategy. It wasn't helped when Sultan Algebra expressed scepticism over the signs behind the need to phase out fossil fuels before the summit even began. However, after two weeks of wrangling, a deal was finally reached, which saw an agreement to transition away from fossil fuels, and the president was keen to praise the achievement. The presidency listened, engaged and guided. I promised I would roll up my sleeves, and I promised I would be with you every step of the way. And you, my colleagues and friends, you did step up. Delegates at the summit welcomed the deal but did flag what they called a litany of loopholes that may well mean that the proposed deal doesn't have the hoped-for impact. U.S. Special Envoy on Climate Change John Kerry was sounding a positive note. For the very first time at a COP, fossil fuels have been on the table as a major part of our negotiations. And the decision that came out of this clearly embraces transitioning away from fossil fuels in energy systems so as to achieve net zero by 2050. That is a clear, unambiguous message on one of the most complicated issues that we face. Activists and environmental campaigners outside of the summit setting were less optimistic and were keen to point out we're already in the hottest year in history and that we all need to do more. Liz Bonin, environmentalist and president of the Wildlife Trust, spoke on ITV's Good Morning Britain. The government has just signed off 100 new licences for oil and gas. They've signed off a new coal power station here. We cannot blame other countries. We're all in this together. Some of the stuff that India and China is doing is actually more progressive than what the UK is doing. This blaming and pointing is part of the problem. We've agreed to a text that says to invite, to consider contributing to. The world Nobody is burning in front of our very eyes. There is progress, of course there is, and I was just at a Wildlife Trust panel with members of the business community, conservation, people who work in finance, and the conversation there was so much more proactive than what's happening at COP. So of course there are wonderful things happening. We have to be very careful about saying it's a revolution, we've done so much. We're clearly not doing enough 
we're not doing enough. The chair of Natural England, Dr Tony Juniper, says it's not something that we can put on the long finger. There's another piece of language in that text which says we must now move on rapid, sustained reductions in emissions. And that's actually more important because sometimes you finish up thinking, oh, it's OK if we get to zero emissions by 2050. Well, this is not right. The point is about the trajectory of the emissions reductions between now and 2050. If we leave it till 2049, the planet will fry. What we have to do is get on with this transition immediately to begin the reductions pathway in 2024. That's the most important year, not 2050. It's been another busy week in the world of tech, so that means it's time to catch up with the Smart 7 resident tech guru, Will Guyatt. There's a new report this week that sounds alarming. Will, is the UK at serious risk of cyber attack? I'm definitely not psychic, but just reading the words from the mouths of politicians and experts, it's now a case of when and not if we have a cyber attack. The bigger issue is working out whether it's just something small like the pedestrian crossings no longer working, or if the UK collapses into complete anarchy and I retreat into a bunker full of VHS tapes. Over the last few weeks, we've had the Deputy Prime Minister telling us all to stock up on candles, batteries, and even a wind-up FM radio to prepare for a cyber attack. And now we've been warned by our UK Parliamentary Committee that the country is at high risk of a catastrophic ransomware attack that could bring the country to a complete standstill because of poor planning and a lack of investment. Ransomware attacks can be pretty serious, right? The Irish health system ground to a halt because of a cyber attack in 2021. Are we facing something similar? Absolutely, because as you say, the Irish system did have this trouble in 2021. And in 2017, the UK's NHS had issues with WannaCry, which was a ransomware attack which mostly attacked ancient computers and devices like those with Windows 98 and caused cancelled medical appointments, uh, lost records, uh, caused operations to be cancelled and just general chaos in the NHS. And the reality is we don't really know what's going to come next in the world of cyber attacks, but there is always going to be something bigger and more disruptive on the horizon. And I realise that's a bit of a downer. It's that time of year when we're starting to see the 2023 lists emerge, isn't it, Will? I saw Netflix have finally released streaming data. What have we all been watching? Netflix knows an awful lot about what you're watching, and that's why they've been pumping out Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy movies year on year for the last five or so years. And that's because they know you're watching them despite not telling your friends about them. And they've gone one step further now with this new twice yearly set of data. They're giving information on their 19,000 strong catalogue, loads of insights about how long we're watching. This first list is topped by a show I've never heard of called The Night Age but with 812.1 million hours of viewing this looks like an action thriller that lots of people have enjoyed in 2023 I've got to confess the top five is full of a similar number of head scratches for me in at five Queen Charlotte a Bridgerton story number four Wednesday season one number three the glory season one number two Ginny and Georgia season two I say I've only seen one show in the top 10 and that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger fronted foobar that was in with a bullet in temp spot and we've also been busy firing questions at alexa right what have we been asking about well amazon have done their end of year list for that voice activated speaker designed to flog you more loo roll this year's top questions to smart speakers in the uk included those on length of the oppenheimer movie how many birthdays the king has each year and just how much money elon musk has got in the bank 
Still to come on the Sunday 7, good news on morning sickness and we find out about embodied AI. A recent report suggested that only 2% of medical research funding is spent on pregnancy, childbirth and reproductive health. Historically, women's health has been under-researched and given the importance of childbirth and reproduction, it seems incredible that clinical trials have historically excluded women or shied away from studies of pregnant women altogether. There was good news this week as a breakthrough in one of the signature issues for pregnant women finally came closer to being resolved as new research revealed what causes morning sickness. Dr. Sir Steve O'Reilly of the Institute of Medicine Metabolic Science at the University of Cambridge explains. Hyperemesis is a major and under-investigated problem. Here we have a condition that is costs enormous socioeconomically, is very troubling to many women, and in a small number of women, at least 1%, end up with hospitalization and real risks to the health and to the mother and fetus. So it's a serious condition, and yet we understood almost nothing about it. Well, my lab's been interested in how hormones made in the body act on the brain for many decades. Dr. Marlena Fezjo is one of the researchers at the Keck School of Medicine at the University of Southern California who carried out the study and she explains what they found. My research has found the greatest genetic risk factor was in a gene that codes for the GDF15 hormone, which rises in pregnancy and causes nausea and vomiting. Our international study found there was more of this hormone in HD patients, but that the genetic variation in GDF15 surprisingly results in less of the hormone in women who are not pregnant. To test whether low levels prior to pregnancy lead to hypersensitivity to GDF15 in pregnancy, we gave mice a small dose of the hormone prior to a high dose, and they were spared from appetite loss. This work has very exciting clinical implications. It suggests we may be able to treat HG by lowering GDF-15 during pregnancy and prevent it by increasing GDF-15 prior to pregnancy. If you've ever been freaked out by those alarming Boston robotic dogs or the weird Parker robot spaceman, then the notion of combining AI and robots might alarm you. But with AI currently confined to large language modules and chatbots, some scientists are looking at the next step in its evolution, and they're arguing that we need to start considering what form an AI body might take. Roboticist at the University of Vermont, Professor Josh Bongart, says there's a huge potential in this relatively new field called embodied AI. This idea of embodiment, uh, I feel, is very important in our goal to try and create uh, intelligent but also safe machines. Most of us, when we think of robots, we think of the Terminator, we think of droids, we think of these rigid metallic machines. But there's a whole new field in robotics called soft robotics which, as the name implies, is an attempt to try and make machines from soft materials. That because they're made of those kinds of materials already make them safe to be around humans. Following up along behind that new field is biobotics. We try and create robots not from technological components, but from biological components. These are robots that are made from living, genetically unmodified cells. Still to come on the Sunday 7, we go dinosaur hunting in Dorset and track down some giant goldfish. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. When you think of Dorset, dinosaurs might not be the first thing that come to mind, but Dorset is in fact home to what's known as the Jurassic Coast. That's a 95-mile-long stretch of coastline between Dorset and Devon that's so rich in fossils, it's become a UNESCO World Heritage Site. What makes the Jurassic Coast unique is that it's the only place on Earth where rocks from the Triassic, Jurassic and Cretaceous periods can be seen in one place. That's 185 million years of Earth's history right there in Devon. And now there's one more marvel which has been uncovered, a brand new species of a dinosaur called a pliosaur. Incredible as it may seem, the well-preserved fossil was discovered when part of the dinosaur's snout literally fell out of the cliff. Steve Etches is the head of collections at the Etches Collection in Dorset. So what makes this unique is it's complete. So the lower jaws and the upper skull are meshed together as it would be in life. To find that, I think worldwide, there's hardly any specimens ever found to that level of detail. If they are, a lot of the bits are missing. Whereas this, although it's slightly distorted, it's got every bone present. It's one of the best fossils I've ever worked on. I'll never probably work on another one. The pliosaur really was a sea monster about 12 metres long and boasting a mouth full of sharp teeth. The fact that the dinosaur is so well preserved has allowed detailed study and Professor Emily Rayfield from the University of Bristol says it was a truly impressive specimen. I think what we're looking at here is the top predator in the environment. You know, this animal had a huge bite. It would have been able to eat pretty much everything else that was around in the water at that time, including some other very large animals as well, other pliosaurs and plesiosaurs, ichthyosaurs, other marine crocodilians as well too, would all be potential prey items for this animal. The 2024 Olympics are due to take place in Paris next summer, but organisers have been busy planning a culinary surprise for athletes and spectators alike. If you are planning to celebrate a summer of sport with a steak or a juicy beef burger, then you might be in for a surprise. The Paris 2024 Olympics will be mostly meat-free. About 60% of what's on offer will be vegetarian, while 80% of the catering will be locally sourced. Tony Estenquet is the president of Paris 2024 and he says it's a good opportunity to open the eyes and mouths of a worldwide audience. It's also our responsibility to, uh, to educate uh, the, 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 the people who will be engaged in Paris 2024 that it's a collective duty now to change our habits and, and, and definitely to reduce our carbon footprint. So to go uh, to the venue by a public transport system and when you buy food uh, in the venue, you should also try the, the vegetal food that is served because uh, in terms of uh, taste, it's very good. Uh, now uh, the, the, the products are, are quite amazing and uh, with the chef uh, way to, uh, to cook, uh, the vegetal products, uh, you will be surprised by uh, the fact that it's uh, a vegetal product. We've all seen Finding Nemo, right? The adorable story of a clownfish who goes missing and his dad travels the ocean in search of him. 
It's a cute story, but in the US, escaped fish are causing havoc. Not necessarily clownfish like Nemo, but regular goldfish who've made it into the wild and bulked up once they're out of the tank. They can grow to 14 or 15 inches long and wreak havoc on local ecosystems. Professor Prosanta Chakrabarti from Louisiana State University explains why it's a problem. They're Asian fishes that have been bred for thousands of years. They're beautiful, and then sometimes they... Uh get out of shape and grow too big and cause havoc in the environment. They are just people's pets that have been washed out or or people released into their local lakes and rivers, and they keep growing as long as they have food. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.